Good evening, good evening. Welcome to another edition of Folks Talking Sports. Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I'm Chris Gardner. Joining me is Andy Yanez from everywhere. Not yet the Houston Round Bar Review, but it may be in the future. He's going to take over the whole thing uh, down the line. <laughs> and James Mueller from Daily Cougar. Young man, how are you doing? I'm doing good. All right. You're a young man I'm talking to. So how you guys doing? All right. Uh, having technical issues trying to connect to Columbus, Ohio. Willie Gibson is going to join us shortly. Might just be audio because you're having problems with his camera for some reason. But um, it might just be Willie's booming voice. Let's see one more time. Will? Yes, sir. Okay. So no camera, but just use your voice. But okay. All right. Willie Gibson joining us from the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. I'm going to maybe, play right off the. Well, maybe I don't know. You can't see me. I might be somewhere. It's parts unknown. I don't know. Yeah, that's let's go with that. Parts unknown. Willie Gibson. Parts unknown. Yeah. So, but hey, it's live technology. You make it do what it do. It's like jazz, man. You improv. So I'm good with that. I'm going to play a clip from Sports Business Journal's John Oran and Andrew Marshan from a few days ago. Keep that in mind. A few days ago. And then we're going to get into big news, uh, I think is more important than something that happened Saturday on campus at Houston. But my young guy will talk about that. But here we go. Let me make sure I can do this correctly. Comments from John Oran from the Sports Business Journal and Andrew Marshan from the New York Post. He's the sports media expert for the New York Post. All right, here we go. Uh, ESPN and Fox, um, 400 uh, uh, was a number that... Uh, the Big 12 was looking for it most likely is going to be like about 350, I'm told. Um, and uh, there, there are a couple things for that th 350. You know, that, that comes out to, I should have done the math beforehand, but what, 30, a little more than 30 uh, per school. Um, is that enough to really convince other Pac-12 teams to come to, uh, to the Big 12? Uh, I'm skeptical about that, but that's a, a question to look at. And the Pac-12, which is also we're going to be talking about, they're nowhere close uh, to doing anything. And the sense is that ESPN and Fox uh, and Amazon are sort of waiting to see how the Big 12 shakes out. Let that set the market. And then and then you have a, a legit number. So, guys, we heard it right there. That was a few days ago. 400 was the number. You know, we had hoped it was a well, Big 12 had hoped it was 400 million dollars. And then that clip from John Oran discussing 350, his colleague Andrew Marshan thought it'd be around, a little bit higher, like around 360. Today's news announcement early this morning that Andy Yannette sent me while I was coming out of church was that uh, the, the deal was roughly $380 million per year, six-year contract extension, totaling about $2.28, $2.3 billion for the Big 12 beginning in the uh, 25 season. James Mueller, what were your thoughts when you heard or saw the news about the extension? Um, first was just credit to Brett Yormark. He said, you know, he wanted to be aggressive. There, it was a time for action. Uh, we saw things with the Pac-12 trying to get things done. Um, Yormark stepped in and got it done and put the Big 12 in a really nice position moving forward, um, securing this deal. So, yeah, credit to, credit to him because he got to work right away when he started um, taking over as the new commissioner. Andy, what did you think when you first saw it? It sent me the uh, tweet. 
Yeah, when I first saw that, I guess kind of focusing it from a Houston perspective, uh, the Houston Cougars Athletics Administration, they've got to be feeling um, like they've hit the jackpot with, with the deal that, that Brett Yarmark and Big 12 and the people that were in charge of negotiating the deal for the Big 12 were able to do. In particular, I think the payout, obviously being able to have an increase overall despite losing Texas and Oklahoma is going to be uh, the, the big – that's something that's going to surprise a lot of people just considering just a year ago where it seemed like the Big 12 was. Those talks about, you know, what's going to happen with the Big 12. Could it potentially dissolve? Is it, you know, at a huge disadvantage after it lost um, the, the really the premier programs when it comes for um, a national perspective in regards to Texas and Oklahoma? And instead they turn around, they add BYU, they add Houston, they add Cincinnati, they add Central Florida, and they're able to turn it around into a very awesome package for all the teams involved and again focusing it from the houston lens i mean look at how much that payout is going to increase from roughly the seven to eight million that they're getting right now with the american athletic conference to at minimum it's going to be around 30 million and it potentially could be up to seven to eight times when you factor in all the college football all the ncaa tournament payouts i mean that you couldn't ask for a better deal if you're asking if you're looking at it from a houston perspective well the gibson from an Ohio perspective, what are your thoughts on the the deal? Oh, it was a nice deal. Nice deal. I mean, as, as Andy said, you know, to to keep it Houston centric. I mean, to 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 raise that number, you know, four, five, six, seven times is is, is a coup in and of itself. Um, the Big Twelve overall, for them to be losing um, Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, but yet and still be able to um, garner that type of financial package from uh, from the networks is, is phenomenal, and credit to Commissioner Yormark. And Brett Yormark, Commissioner Yormark said at the Big 12 basketball tip-off going on uh, two weeks away, two weeks ago, that the new deal would be more money for the conference. He said then, our deal will not go down. He said, I know folks believe we're going to go down. We're going to go up. Well, he backed up his words. He was true to that. The deal is an increase in media rights payout. Currently, it's around 22 to 28 million, depending on which uh, Big 12 school you are. So the new contract extension starting at 25, 31.7, $32 million. So that's an increase. So, and again, as everybody has said so far, no one believe that without Texas and Oklahoma in the new Big 12, the Big 12 would get more money from media rights partners. Well, they're going to do that. And it's just media rights. For, so folks tuning in on Twitter at Folks Talking Sports. So I got to do a better job of, of spreading and promoting our brand. Kind of like Brett Yormark. Maybe you need Brett Yormark to help promote the brand. Um, folks Talking <laughs> Sports. Folks Talking Sports on Twitter as well as on the Houston Round Bar View YouTube channel. This is just media rights. This is just ESPN and Fox. This will not include the NCAA units for basketball tournament, which right now is just men's basketball. Hopefully in the next TV deal for the women's basketball, it will include some units because nobody in women's basketball gets paid for going to the tournament, which still blows me away. And then the bowl games then the college football playoff revenue. So there's a chance numbers being floated around the entire conference payout average per member school could be between 
47 to 50, maybe even $55 million per year for big, for the big 12 schools. So for Houston, Cincinnati, UCF coming from the American and making seven, $8 million to possibly making between 47 and 55 million. Andy, what are we going to do all that money, man? What are we, <laughs> what are they going to do? They're, they're on the road to building that, that football facility. I mean, it's exciting to see what, what the university can do with that much flexibility, especially, I mean, what they have been able to do without that flexibility. They, they have been able to create um, a lot from when it comes to the, the football and the, and the basketball programs on campus. Um, obviously, they're, they're, they have, well, they're currently fundraising to be able to build the individual standalone football facility, but they had already had the indoor uh, facility and so the field so the football team could practice. Um, and not have to correct me if I'm wrong, but whenever they before they had that building, what did they have to do whenever it was raining or bad weather outdoors? Uh, years ago, they went to the dome sometimes, and then mm-hmm. sometimes that it's made do with the inside wherever they could on campus. Yeah, and then obviously with Gabby Lewis for both the men's and women's basketball teams, that's something that's uh, huge for both of those programs. So I mean, hopefully they can do some upgrades to the Ameri- to to the Athletics Alumni Center that's right next to the Fertitta Center. But it, it's exciting, and one of the other points when it comes to this deal that we haven't touched on yet that it's gonna it's only a six year deal, so yes. it'll be back up before the SEC and the the ACC um, have to negotiate, renegotiate their deal when their deal expires, which is another big step in the right direction for the Big 12. I mean, that's huge right there. They can kind of uh, set the market in that aspect, which, again, we touched on it. I can't remember it last week, but certainly in in previous shows where you don't want to put yourself into, uh, like we saw with the ACC, with a huge commitment for uh, long-term years that it really ends up uh, hurting you in the long run. Agreed, and it... This deal will end one year after the Big Ten goes back to market. But let's say this. Brett Yormark, Commissioner Yormark, the Big 12's deal, this is not part of their exclusive negotiating window. He opened up talks early with ESPN and Fox. Their negotiating window is February 2024. He decided to open up talks August 31st this year. And he got it done while while the pack, <laughs> well, they had their exclusive window and they were trying to negotiate with ESPN and Fox and they still couldn't get it done. Um, and I, it, Chris, I know you mentioned it. You sent it in earlier in the day where, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting to see. I wonder what the pack, um, you know, the pack 12, the pack remaining, what, what they're thinking about this deal with the big 12. Cause I mean, it, it might hurt them. And the other caveat to the contract, which again, just goes back to how, sweet of a deal this was for the big 12 uh, has a there's a caveat in there if the big 12 does expand and yes. that's mm-hmm. that's <laughs> i mean they they hit a, to be honest they hit a home run with this deal in regards to keeping it flexible uh, keeping it not necessarily too uh long but also being able to provide stability to the conference and keep it flexible if they do decide to go with that expansion route which you know we we know we've heard Brett Yarmark say multiple times now mm-hmm. uh, that his big brand his big vision for the Big 12 is to nationalize the conference which uh, this contract is a great step in the right direction in in regards to that goal in my opinion James right, what are your comments on? Well, go ahead no just just a thought you know, I'm here to stir the pot, the Ohio perspective, I guess. But, uh, you know, bringing your Marcus giving kudos and credit for the deal and the, the terms and it goes back to the table. 
who's to say it wasn't the networks to say, hey, we want a shorter deal? Because we don't know what, in fact, we're getting. But that's fair. I mean, it's and it's plausible. But, but to, to go against, couldn't if they if that was that was the case, couldn't they have just oh not maybe not low ball, but just kept it to an offer where uh, both sides didn't agree and just kind of play out the contract until the current TV deal expired, or at least closer to that twenty twenty five window. Well, they, they I would say, I would look at it from this perspective, but they want to maintain some flexibility and some position of power because they need content. Yes. So while they weren't necessarily willing to walk away from content completely, I don't know that they were willing necessarily. And I don't know. I'm just bringing an alternate perspective. Maybe they were looking at it. Well, we don't quite know what's going to happen when Texas and Oklahoma leaves. We want to maintain content. We want to maintain the seat at the table. So we'll negotiate, but we don't want to go anything further. You know, how, uh, the Big Ten is a seven-year deal. Uh, the ACC has a 13 year deal, I believe. Well, it, it was 20. Well, so, it was 20. It's 13 years <laughs> remaining, right? right? Yeah. So, who's to say that the networks were, hey, we'll, we'll go here, you know, we'll, we'll do this, and, and we'll come back to the table and see where we stand later on? It's, it's plausible, but I, I think from a cost perspective, cost certainty, the networks would have liked a longer deal to be more like the ACC and say, well, y'all can get out of it now. You're stuck with that until 36. So the Big 12 is like, well, we're not doing that. We're not doing a 12-year, a 10-year, 12-year deal like the Americans even doing. You know, they're mm -hmm. stuck in their deal for a few more years. So it's, I mean, I know you're coming from it. It's, it's a what-if scenario. Mm -hmm. But from a cost, from a network perspective, I think they would prefer a longer deal because they're like, they could go back to the conference folks and say, well, you signed it. You agreed to. <laughs> so we're not going to budge on pay or give you more money. This is what the deal is. So I think a six-year deal is like a happy medium. I thought it was like, I was expecting like three to five years. Mm. So I think six years is like a compromise. So it's a good deal for them. And we got, we're doing more devil's advocate stuff here on folks talking sports on our folks talk sports, Twitter account, as well as on Houston round view, James Will's play perspective. One point I'm going to come to you from, from another, uh, I'm not so sorry the conspiracy, but some folks, Pac-12 people, some media are saying, are you surprised that the deal was announced today when the Pac-12 presidents are meeting tomorrow? I mean, there's definitely a possibility. I don't, I mean, I'll never know the exact answer because I'm not in those meeting rooms, but there's definitely, when, when you look at things in terms of things being announced, there's definitely strategy to it. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if, they, you know, wanted to get this deal announced today with, like you said, with, uh, you know, Pac-12 having meetings because that really, you know, forces their hand, um, whereas they now they can't sit back um, knowing that the Big 12 got this deal. I I can't tell you for sure, but um, it's definitely a, it's definitely a possibility. Well, what, what do you say to that? Do you believe in, in that conspiracy that the deal was announced? And some folks saying leaked to Sports Business Journal to announce it today. You know, I mean, that's good reporting, good journalism for that part of it. But to have this deal announced the day before the Pac-12 presidents are scheduled to meet. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm petty pentagrass like that. Yes, absolutely. Give them another line item to discuss at the table for sure. And 
let, let's keep going down that Pac-12 road, Mr. Big Ten guy. Once again, the Pac-10 slash 12 commissioner, George Kleofkoff, double down Andy Yanez, James Mueller, Willie Gibson, double down saying that UCLA going to the Pac-10, the Big Ten, they're going to lose money. And that eventually oh. we are going to catch the Big Ten in terms of revenue payout. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts is my thoughts are someone needs to check on him because he's clearly um I want to say this properly. He he he's clearly um speaking Yeah, he's nuts. I'll just say it. He's nuts. He's nuts. I was trying to come with this long, you know, politically correct. Yeah, he's nuts. There's no way. There's no way. We're taking the two teams from the second biggest television market in the United States, and they're losing money? No. No, he has to say. I mean, I understand you have to say something to save face, but let's make it plausible. Let's make it sensible now. Come on. Yeah. You know, save the yeah. face. You know, be, being a spin master. Okay. But that that has no toehold on reality. This this none. UCLA is going to increase revenue by what thirty five to forty million per year, yep. and they're going to lose money. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? And, yeah. and that's per year. Okay, it's not like it's going to be forty million over the next five years. That's forty million more per year of this yeah. Big Ten deal. So I, you know, George Cleopatra, Commissioner. Okay, you, you're playing funny with the money, as some folks do. But kudos to Brett Yormark and, you know, and some folks in Big 12 media don't have a, a well, before today, did not have the best vibe from Commissioner Yormark. You know, he's a northerner. He's, he's a Yankee. He's from New York. He's slick. Uh, he's, he's not very realistic and all these things. Well, he delivered on this deal. He and he delivered through. on the promise that it was they were the deal was around the corner, which yeah. is another it's another um, it's a positive. And it's, it, it comes across that, you know, he's not just uh, over hyping up promises that he can't deliver, which when you look over c- continuing to look over the Pac-12, it, it's complete opposite. And will to kind of add on to your point, I mean, it comes across as delusional. Um, what the Pac-12 commissioner was saying, uh, especially in regards to USC and UCLA. It's not realistic, like you said, Will. And uh, agreed. And let me say this. Uh, you have to know we have to in this business, media, journalists, in order to be credible and reliable, you, we are as reliable as our sources. OK, but we also have to have more than one source, multiple sources. One of the reasons I have for two weeks in a row promoted, not promoted, but mentioned, acknowledged and shown clips from John Orand and Andrew Marchand is they seem to be very connected in terms of media, media rights, media deals, media entertainment. There are some folks on the West Coast, because a lot of us do it, you know, sources say, sources tell us, breaking news, this, all those things. In John Oren's article, breaking this story this morning, he mentions, he, he, he names names, said, your mark led the talks for the Big 12, but worked closely with, Mark Shapiro and Karen Brodkin from Endeavor. That's part of the corporation for Big 12 hired for deals like this to get done. And Hilary Mandel from IMG Media. Also, Disney chair of ESPN, 
Jimmy Pataro, and ESPN President Programming, Original Content, Burke Mangus, were on point for the network during the negotiations. So names, he's he putting in names. On the Fox side, the deal included Jordan Bazant, Banzant, who joined the company earlier this year, along with CEO and executive producer Eric Shanks, President and COO Mark Silverman, and Executive Vice President Larry Jones. So those are names. So if he's he's getting this, he got the information, the numbers projected weeks ago from we can assume or gather, if not directly from these folks, from folks connected to these folks. Okay, so you got names right there. So go with your sources. I've seen it, you know, the Pac-12, oh, how can I phrase it? Beat writers who are really some of the stuff, and I stopped subscribing to them and spending my money on them, they came across as desperate and just wrong in their sources. Marshan and Oran called the money, the gap between Pac-12 and ESPN and Fox, $200 million a month ago. They were right. They talked about the, the Big 12 and Fox being close to a deal. Two weeks ago, they were right. They even got numbers. They were very close to the numbers. So these, you got to know where your sources are. You got to know who's best at it. So I'm just saying, the Pac-12. <coughs> where, where does Pac-12 go from here? We talked about this, James. I'm going to you. Amazon. <clears throat> Is Amazon enough? Uh, I don't see Amazon overpaying for a Pac-12 deal, but let's say Andrew Marshan also reported that it would be ESPN and Amazon agreeing to a deal with the Pac-12. Will the numbers be close in terms of what the Big 12 got? No. <laughs> Elaborate, James. <laughs> I mean, you don't have – there's already the, – the, the Pac-12 is already kind of falling apart. You got, you know, your big L.A. market leaving. Um, a lot of these teams, like, you know, the Stanfords and uh, Cows, you know, the market just isn't there for – some of these teams. And so, I mean, yeah, sure. They could get a combined deal, like you were saying with, you know, ESPN, and Amazon, but the money's not going to be nearly as there because the product's not as in demand um, as some of these other conferences. And I mean, I think with this new big 12 deal, especially like the Oregon's, the Washington, they're, they're, they're going to look even harder to get out because I mean, it just makes it that much harder for the, I mean, it's hard to see a bright future for the PAC 12, given that, you know, they've been able, unable to come to any type of deal. The big 12 gets this new deal. Um, other conferences are strengthening and they've been poached of two big players in USC and UCLA. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't think um, even if they do reach a deal, it will come anywhere near these numbers that the big 12 just got. And I'm going to come to you in a second, but will yes, James touched on it about Oregon and Washington. Um, if the Big Ten does not invite Oregon and Washington, where can they go? <laughs> they don't want to go to the Big 12. So if they don't get an invite from the Big Ten, they don't have any other options really but to stay in the Pac-12 for at least the immediate future, right? I'll start by saying this. They won't get an invite from the Big Ten. Um, that that's not that's not on the table at all. Mm -hmm. um, where will they go? I mean, they really don't have an option, right? It is, it's, yeah, they, they really truly don't have an option. I mean, the the Big Twelve 
if if I don't understand them thumbing their nose at the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve. I mean, maybe this deal, you know, changes some thinking, and those are in those. Uh, offices and maybe they will consider the big 12 now at this point but yeah they they really are uh, basically they, they they they're not in a position of power right now they're racially reactive at this point agreed andy what are your thoughts on that and and what would oregon go back to or go to george cleokoff pac-12 commissioner and say okay We'll stay, but we want a larger share of the revenue. So you want to call it unequal revenue sharing, so be it. But for us to stay in the Pac-12, we want more than Cal. We want more than Stanford. We want more than, for sure, Washington State. What about that? Yeah, no, I think all eyes and all attention should probably go to uh, the two Arizona schools and maybe even Utah and see what they do now that the the Big 12 has their deal. They have their market. Uh, The Pac-12, to me, to summarize in in a word, it just seems unstable because, Chris, uh, to that scenario that you mentioned, say Oregon, I could absolutely see it happening, uh, especially in regards to what's left of the Pac-12. Oregon's clearly the top tier premier program when it comes to what's left in that conference. I think if that were to happen, obviously you're going to have a lot of drama. You're going to have a lot of unhappiness, unsatisfied um, personnel from the other schools that are not Oregon, which in and of itself is just continued is going to going to continue to to increase that rift uh, among those schools in the Pac-12. So. I don't know. I think the Pac-12, it's much more wait and see. And I think it's it's not a matter of if. I, I, I'm i leaning more toward it's a matter of when, uh, to be quite frank. And, and maybe it's not the Big 12. It could be something else. But I think I think a lot of more eyeballs are going to go to Arizona, those two Arizona schools. And honestly, maybe even Utah and see what, what, what those uh, the personnel among those schools are thinking in regard to the Big, the Big 12 deal. And most importantly, the inability that the Pac-12 has been able to have to to find success during their exclusive window now that they, they're in the free market. And it doesn't look like, at least reportedly, it hasn't looked like they've been able to gain that traction. Okay, this is for all three of you guys. What if, if the money is close, the total money from ESPN, and say it is ESPN and Amazon, Why would Arizona, Arizona, oh, no, let me back up. Which is more likely? I think this is an obvious answer, but which is more likely? The Big 12, the new Big 12 members signing a grant of rights deal, all of them, unanimous, or all of the Pac-10 members signing a grant of rights deal? Anybody? Based off today? (laughs) Yeah. Mm. I would I would say the Big Twelve schools. Yeah, I mean they know what they're getting. They're more yeah. stable. It's a thing that we've we've touched on so far. There's more stability currently right now in the Big Twelve, and it's just a six year grant of right deal. You know, mm-hmm. your meter rights deal will stay with the conference. So if you decided to go elsewhere, leave for another conference, your meter rights money will stay with the Big Twelve. That's basically what grant of rights is. But as Will touched on it, would Oregon sign a grant of rights deal of similar length to stay in the Pac-10 
Nope. See, that's 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 the issue that Klyukov has to resolve. Despite, as Will has said, he's been firm on this for a while. We're not the folks talking sports is not national yet, but Willie Gibson has maintained for a long time that the Big Ten is not going to invite Oregon. Okay, he said that for a long time on this show. So if the Big Ten is not inviting Oregon, Oregon doesn't have much leverage. So if they don't get an you know, unequal revenue sharing, they're not going to sign. Why, why would they sign a grant of rights deal for whatever new deal that the Pac-12 gets? Then what? <laughs> then what, what does Oregon do? Then what does George Kleokoff do? Will? Hmm. George Klyukov is at this point, <laughs> uh, I hate to do this because I'm not called for people's jobs guy. However, at this point, I think he got finessed. I think he got finessed. I thought, I think he, uh, going back to the alliance <laughs> last yeah. year, Yeah, I think he thought he developed some relationships and he got finessed. And so now he's trying to make these comments now to save face. And I think at a certain point, it's going to be a time where he'll be removed from his position. The, the ADs and the presidents will get together and they'll find someone else. Because what has he done in his, in his tenure? Let's see. Uh, the, the two cornerstone schools leave to go cross country. Um, he hasn't been able thus far to find suitable replacements, any replacements. Yep. The finances are in shambles. What what has he done successfully to benefit the Pac-12? Andy James, I want to comment on that before I thought out another scenario. I mean, not not much. Um, we'll hit most of them on the most of those points on the head. Just you know, he he he's just been in over his head. He's been. Uh, Others have taken advantage of him, and um, now, I mean, he can say whatever he wants, but until until some actions back it up, I, I I'd agree with Will that there's probably going to be a change of leadership in the, in some point because there's nothing there to um, give the conference, you know, hope that uh, this is the guy um, that can help us. I mean, because this this is essential times now um, to see even if this conference has a future at all. Andy, what do you say? No, I agree. It's a results-driven, uh, well, I was going to say results-driven world, especially in this industry that they are in, and the, the results have not been good for Mr. George. So I could completely see it happening, especially, um, I mean, it, it seems like he's been on the hot seat ever since UCLA and USC left, and I think the biggest kind of detri detriment to him in regards to that is that he was completely caught off guard by it. Um and it has not gone well for him since since both of those schools announced that they were heading to the Big Ten. And, and you know, he was blindsided by that. Not a good look. Um, Getting to some particulars of this deal, courtesy of Sports Business Journal, John Oran. ESPN gets the top four football picks each season. Six, six of the top eight, eight of the top 12 picks and 12 of the top 20 picks. That's almost a good balance for, Fox, for, for, for football purposes. 
As part of the deal, ESPN also gets the rights to the Big 12 football championship game. We're going to see some Rock Nation, some entertainment in Rock Nation, man. I, I can see it. Mm-hmm. Some, some Rock Nation artists will be performing at the Big 12 title games, but also at the Big 12 basketball tournament <clears throat> game. Men and women will be on ESPN. But part of this deal, bas- men's basketball games are going to be on Fox, Fox Network and FS1. That's part of this new deal. So that's big. big. That's, that's Absolutely. a big deal. That's, yeah. Yeah. That, that was the first thing that caught my attention, too. And I was looking at those details. So and I'll, I'll toss this out. Big 12 women's basketball has been on Fox, FS1, FS2 for a few years now. But the, the men's part of this package as well. It's big. Can you imagine? I'm Arizona Wildcats basketball. Men, well, hell, men and women's basketball because ladies have had success recently as well. Commissioner Klikov says, hey, working on a deal. It's going to end up with your basketball games on Amazon. What? Uh, Amazon. Uh, Houston. Basketball is going to be on Fox. I'm going to be on Amazon. What? 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 <laughs> so could that could that help? Even if the money is similar, and I think from all points right now, the Pac-12 is going to earn a little less than the Big 12 in this whatever deal they reached with Amazon and Fox. But in terms of exposure. The Big 12, the majority of their games, football, basketball, men's and women's basketball, ESPN, Fox, FS1. That's more eyeballs than Amazon, right? Yeah, yep. yeah absolutely. So in, in that reality, could that be another shove, nudge for the four corner schools to say, uh, George, we don't like how you've been selling this anyway, so Amazon is not helping it for us. Could that happen? Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely think it, it can happen, especially, again, it's just going back to the point we've reiterated throughout, um, and I think going back to the deal, I think uh, the Big 12 deal, it, it, it's going to put a lot of eyeballs not only on those specific schools but just across uh the big 12 leadership in particular it's kind of like okay you know what you're competing against now what can you do um what's your best offer to entice us and if it's not up to par i could see um i could see drastic changes happening among the big 12 of uh, the pac 12 and and will in in that scenario the possible scenario mm-hmm. what's stopping espn i mean it's, yes it's business and some folks in business are, they can be petty. But because it sounds like because Fox was part of taking USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, Pac-12 does not want to work with Fox in their new deal. Well, that's, so knock them out of this next media rights deal. Yes, ESPN wants that, that Pacific time zone. But what if ESPN realizes, look, there's a chance Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, hell, maybe even Oregon may come to the Big 12 at some point. So why should we give the Pac-12 a lot of money? Yep. So what if they lowball the Pac-12 and, and, 
and say, well, this we're going to offer you this. Amazon is not going to make up the difference. Then what does George do? <laughs> huh? then, then what's going to happen? Uh, update his resume at that point. Seriously. Um, I mean, what else is there for him to do at that point? Yeah. Because, funny. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Will. I didn't know this before. Um, I, I was just, as we were talking, just did the search, and, and I came across this article, and it, I'll just read the last paragraph. One day shy of Cleocalf's one-year anniversary as commissioner of the conference, Pac-12 mainstays USC and UCLA unexpectedly announced intentions to join, to depart for the Big Ten Conference, a move considered gutting for the future of the Pac-12. With the conference's largest television market now removed, Kleokoff was characterized as needing a, quote, miracle to keep the conference alive. And that was months ago. That was in May. Yeah. So what has changed? Because going back, going back to it, and I'm, I'm not, I've met Commissioner Yomar a couple of times, shook his hand a couple of times, but he doesn't know me from Adam yet, okay? My goal is for him to get to know, have a relationship with him at some point through these next few years with Houston in the Big 12. But he leapfrogged, leapfrogged the Pac-12 and George Klevkoff and got a deal done before the Big 12's negotiating window opened up in February of 2024. He got a deal done before the Pac-12. George. <laughs> um, so, but anything's possible. We could all be wrong. Amazon may surprise all of us and give the Pac-12 $40 million per school. They're not going to do that. But that's some ridiculous amount of money. But what I haven't heard from everybody, what is Amazon going to show? Are they just going to show football? What's going to happen to the other Pac-12 sports? Where are they going to be broadcast? Are they still going to stay on the Pac-12 network, which nobody sees anyway? What's going to happen with that? Amazon's not going to show all those sports. Neither is ESPN. So then what? Andy? No, that's a valid question. It's a valid concern. And once again, it's um, why the Pac-12 is in an unstable position that, um, like I said, I don't think it's a matter of if, it's a matter of when. James, what do, what do you say? And no worries about any background noise, James. You know, <laughs> train horn comes blasting through my house, neighborhood all the time, so it's all good. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't have a ton of hope for the Pac-12. I don't know if we'll be seeing it um, in existence in five years. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, first off, what you talked about there, even if Amazon or someone comes in and buys it, it's going to be just probably football and men's basketball for the most part if they do anything. Um, I mean, our school's going to have to ha stream their own games on their website, I, I, YouTube. I don't know what, I mean, there's not a ton of options and um, sort of li like you've touched on with the Pacific time zone. Yes. People want shares in that market, but the, the PAC 12 just doesn't have enough to offer right now. So like the, it comes to like, how much is it worth getting into that market if we're not going to even get that many eyeballs? Um, so there's a lot of questions there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it, the Pac-12 is already in trouble, um, but especially smaller sports that don't get the typical media coverage. Um, 
I don't see what exactly. I mean, we may no people just might not be able to watch those games because no one's willing to show them. We'll get your thoughts on what James just said, but also, <clears throat> LA market is going to go become a Big Ten market. The Pac-12, population-wise, there are less eyeballs in the Pacific time zone than Central and Eastern time zone, right? You said less? Less, yes. Yes. So that is another ding against the Pac-12 in terms of media rights interest. But could we be seeing the Pac-12 agrees to a deal? I'm not sure Oregon's going to agree to it, but let's say they do. Five-year deal. But five years from now, if it involves Amazon, if it, hell, if it involves Apple, and if no one's watching the Pac-12, could five years from now the Pac-12 be over as we know it? Yes. Who would have thought that? Look, look at how times have changed. And I flip it around because there was a time not too long ago when a lot of folks predicted the demise of the Big 12. Yep, you're right. So look at how things have changed. And the Pac-12 could have, and they had an opportunity to poach teams from the, the, the Big 12 and didn't do it. And now look at what could be happening with Pac-12 within <coughs> five to seven to 10 years. Well, time will tell how all things play out. But real quickly, that was a lot of good discussion on uh, here on Folks Talking Sports about the Big 12 slash Pac-12 and media rights. James Mueller and Yanez, y'all have some info on the not-so-secret scrimmage involving the Houston Cougars men's basketball team and the Duke men's Blue Devils? Yeah, yeah James, I mean, I'll let you take it away. I can start. Um, once again, like you <coughs> and everyone's mentioned on this thing, it's a scrimmage, so the final – I mean – I've, me, Andy, have shared the final score. Houston won 61-50, I think. Is that correct, Andy, right? Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, that was the, the final score. The um, final score. Was- uh, obviously, it doesn't mean much. The game doesn't count. Um, Duke was without some players, um, some key guys. But um, overall, what I've been told is just, um, you know, it's, a, it's another – obviously, these scrimmages are an opportunity for both – teams and coaches to see you know their team play against someone other than themselves and then they also were able to work on some situational stuff um so it's just a good tune-up for the regular season because you know when you're going out <laughs> against e- your own team for so long it can get sort of repetitive and boring so these are and i mean we've t- touched on it earlier but just to have a school like duke come down to u of h shows how far it's gone um to be for them to for duke you know one of the iconic basketball programs and in men's college basketball to you know take the time to travel down to houston and i mean it it just shows the respect that this program's gaining and um overall i mean i think i mean it's overall the scrimmage is a learning experience for both teams um so yeah um andy can add on whatever uh andy and, I mean, yeah, like James said, it was a it was a pretty interesting uh, setup. They had a bit of a traditional. It, it was different from what it was the way it was set up against Texas. They had the first twenty minute period. 
the half, kind of the to kind of simulate that game type of, of atmosphere. But again, it is, uh, or not atmosphere, a structure. They held that halftime break, and then they in their second half, they only had that 12-minute period. Like James said, Duke was without freshman center Derek Lively and, and freshman guard Derek Whitehead. Um, and, and But Houston was without Emmanuel Sharp as well. But I think overall, it just in terms of the scrimmage, it was a good opportunity to be able to, to compete against Duke, in particular, a team that Duke that has a lot of length, it has a lot of size, something that um, it's going to be, if you had to pick one disadvantage in regards to Houston heading into the season, it would probably be that aspect in regards to size. I believe that they're taught, Chris, James, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe their tallest player is Darius Bowser at 6'9". Um, which you know that that if you had to pick one weak spot right now, that'd be it. Um, but from from what I was told as well, overall, just um, Houston. Like, and again, it goes back to to it being a scrimmage. But Houston was able to do a lot of good things against Duke, and and I hate to describe it this way because it, it it kind of when you hear it, you're gonna make it it's gonna sound like a game. But um, Houston led by as many as fifteen. Duke was able to rally. There was a couple of different things that Duke did that gave Houston some problems um, in regards to specific players that stood out. Marcus Sasser, um, again, not surprising, but he was the the player. I was told that Marcus was Marcus in that scrimmage against Duke. He led all scores with with 17 um and Jawan Roberts another player that that stood out well against Duke and speci- specifically in regards to rebounding and and Tromon Mark from what I've told and this is something that all three of us saw going back to or Chris you and me saw going back to the red and white scrimmage where I mean Tromon Mark looked much more comfortable just in that scrimmage alone um from from an offensive perspective um I was told that, that, that similar things along the lines in this Duke scrimmage and most importantly he was being he's starting to to be more active not just as a scorer but also on the glass which we know from Houston and Calvin Sampson program that that's what they preach from their guards they they love to be able to have guards rebound be, and you know not need to have that big get a rebound and then pass it to guard they they prefer their guards to be able to just rebound and run um so that's certainly a step in the right direction and uh, you know, well, we could go across uh, specific players, but that's pretty much the, the the overview. And like James said, the situational stuff that it allowed you know, both teams to be able to practice, you know, going in two for one situations at the end of halves, having players shoot free throws and just stuff like that. Those conditions that prepare you for when those scenarios come at, you know, once the regular season rolls around, they're going to be in those scenarios um, once the games start rolling in. So, again, just a good uh, final tune up ahead now. We are just over a week, a week from tomorrow, when Houston tips off the regular season November 7th at Bertita Center against Northern Colorado. And next Sunday's Folks Talk of Sports, we'll, we will have our sponsor for the season. We will launch that. I'll have that sponsor on the screen full time. Sponsor's name will look familiar because he was a sponsor for Less Rage Cougs. So I look forward, look for that next Sunday. Um, we are correct. Uh, Darius Bowser, technically, is the tallest player on the team. I think J.V. Francis might still be growing, but uh, <clears throat> he's probably got longer arms than Darius Bowser. Darius is 6'9". J.V. might be 6'8 and a half, 6'9". But I heard J.V. looked good yesterday, did well yeah, against Duke. Okay. With his, his athleticism really shined through. Um, it's a scrimmage. I laugh at, at fans, just fans, but even outlets who, who are really fan sites. Uh, it's a scrimmage. It's it's a game. Well, well, you know, Houston won, but Duke only had Duke was out two of their key players. Okay, if it's a scrimmage, then what does it matter who was out and who played, who who was healthy or not? Emmanuel Sharp didn't play yesterday in the scrimmage. So I mean, 
you take what you want from it. I'm looking forward to hearing what Coach Samson has to say when he talks to mm-hmm. us, I think, on Tuesday about the scrimmage. But what I want to take from it, and I hope happens, is at some point in the future, a Duke-Houston home-and-home. That's what I want. That's okay. going to get the eyeball. That's going to get the attention. So, yes, that's way more important. So as long as the logistics were great yesterday, nothing major that uh, Duke found issues with, continue those conversations, and then going forward at some point in the future, a Duke-Houston <laughs> home-and-home. Chris, and kind of to add on to the point, I think the biggest takeaway you could is that it seemed like both Houston and Duke really enjoyed the scrimmage because you had both of the team's official Twitter accounts posting pictures of it and kind of promoting it, which, I mean, that's a good step in the right direction. That's what you want to see. And, again, it kind of goes back to both of those programs. Uh, it looks like all things went well in regards to just being able to have it. And at the end of the day, you know, both of those teams met to make each other better ahead of the regular season, which is the most important thing. And I think the, the, the biggest, I guess the, th- the thing I was trying to figure out was how they got into Fertitta center. Cause they did have the scrimmage at the same time as the football team, uh, the football team's homecoming game against South Florida. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I know we kind of speculated Chris, whenever we were talking about how they would get them in, would they, would they figure a way to sneak them in? But I mean, you know, in regards to how they, Duke came in it I was told it was pretty normal just in terms of being able to get them um through it back like regular opposing teams do uh during a regular season game the only difference was that they had security at doors to make sure that no uh spectators or fans there were might have been walking around um that were already on campus because of the football game got a sneak peek of the Duke scrimmage so yeah you know kudos to security for keeping folks out because I'm sure there was a couple, you know, handful of folks trying to get a peek at the scrimmage. Goodness knows they weren't at the football game because there's only, well, I was wrong in my prediction, which I knew it would be, predicting 30,000. It was only 24,228 announced at the football game between Houston and South Florida, which the Cougs won 4227. I've been waiting on that because I'm looking, I'm like, all right, we're 52 minutes in. It wasn't homecoming yesterday? Yeah, it was homecoming. Yep. Wow. It seemed like less than that, too. Oh, it, was, it had to be less than 24,000. Oh, man. The upper deck was <clears throat> maybe 25% full. Maybe. You yeah, know? I speculated it. And let's reach Cougs. Maybe it was just a hangover effect from game one of the World Series. But what, whatever. Uh, it, it wasn't a great look for TV. So football, Houston Cougar football fans. It's a challenge. I'm challenging you guys as fans of Houston Cougars athletics. It's the last few games of UH in the Big 12 football. Excuse me, in American football. You got to come through next season when the Big 12 starts. Y'all been clamoring for it. It's going to be different when the Big 12 gets here. Okay. I don't want to see 80% of the stadium filled with TCU fans or Baylor fans or, you know, going forward. Got to come through, support the Houston Cougars football program, not just, you know, once he's a big-time opponent, the Cougars are playing. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking and talking because I don't know. It's not going to happen. You know, we can talk a lot, but we don't do a very good job supporting our own. Anyhow, but, yes, I would love to see a Duke-Houston home-and-home. Home. I would love to see, because of the importance to college basketball, a Houston-UCLA home-and-home. Because of be nice. the game of the century uh, ties, and 
I'm just I'm putting out, I'm putting out wish list stuff now. Coach Cronin, coaching the American. He and Coach Sampson have a lot of respect for each other. So wouldn't it be great at some point in the future, a home and home between the Cougs and UCLA, a Big Twelve Big Ten matchup? Thank you. I felt thoughts like that, Will. Yeah, there you yes. go. The potential part of the Big Twelve Big Ten challenge, which I think that's probably going to happen at some point because it seems that Kevin Warren and Commissioner Yomar, the commissioners of those two conferences, have a good relationship, a working relationship. So that might happen for hoops and probably hopefully men's and women's basketball going forward. But hey, I'm putting it out there, possible home and home between the Cougs and, and UCLA. We're about to enter big time athletics, gentlemen. <laughs> We'll see if Houston's ready for it. We have, I have my doubts. We we'll see what you guys think. But Andy and James, overall, as we wrap it up here, these final few minutes, your thoughts on Houston's win over South Florida? Was it impressive? Was it was it just hey, it was South Florida? What do you what What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I think um, first and and foremost, I think you gotta. I can't. I don't think you can call it impressive. Just again, now you got to give props to it where where credit is due, and that's you know the turnaround that, that the football team has been able to do in particular, and it's kind of become the story of the season at this point, where they were down um, by nineteen, they were down double digits against Memphis. It seemed like their season was on the line at that point. They were able to, to rally, um, score twenty six points in that fourth quarter against Memphis. And that's really ignited this run. They they had the bye week. They were able to go up uh, at Indianapolis and play Navy, and they played them well. Um, they were in complete control of that game for much of it, other than the the few hiccups at the start of the second half in that game with the with the fumbles. Um, for the most part, the midshipmen never really. But it never felt like the midshipmen had a real chance to be able to to threaten there. And uh, it was kind of similar. Now give. Credit to South Florida because they came out in the first quarter. They hung tight with Houston, but after the first quarter, Houston was able to kind of uh, impose its will, and it was clear that they were the most dominant team in regards to the Cougars. Um, and again, Clayton Toon, he made history for just becoming the third quarterback in Houston Cougars history to throw for 10,000 or more yards. He got that um, during last night's or during yesterday's game against South Florida. It was a cool moment. Dana Horton talked about how they presented him with a football that had the number 10,000 on it. Even when they and when that accolade actually happened, they they put it out on on the PA system. They had a moment to recognize Clayton Toon and you know, Nathaniel Tankdale, Houston's top receiver, was on the sidelines. He was right next to Toon, and he was waving his towel, celebrating him. So that was a cool moment to see, too. But just overall, I mean, you got to give props to, to the turnaround that the defense, the, the team overall has been able to do um, since that fourth quarter against Memphis. Now, I think that's going to be their biggest ta- challenge up to this point since that game at Memphis. I want to have to travel up to Dallas to play SMU this coming week, but uh, it, I guess we're going to see where 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 exactly the improvement has been because they have been able to beat two teams that, you know, on paper they should have beaten. So kudos to them to be able to do what they're supposed to do now. Let's see. Um, I think the the first lines Houston actually opens as an underdog against SMU. I don't have the exact line on on hand, but I know that they opened as underdogs, so we'll see. It's going to be a tough challenge. I have a question. I have a question. Yes. So, you know, the, the resurgence of the Houston football team, Clayton Toon, threw for 10,000 yards. Stan Horkinson is not responsible for any of that, right? Of course not. He said he wasn't. No, I'm asking because when they were struggling, he yeah. said he wasn't responsible for any of that mess. He wasn't taking credit for that. Right. So, conversely, he can't take credit for the success, right? 
I'm just being petty, you know. And and I am here. I'm for being your honest, but I'm being that's for real. But you know, I'm being. Yeah. I am, I am here for your pettiness. No problem at all. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember earlier in the season, he sat down at a table and said, "I'm not responsible for that. I'm not taking credit for that." Because there were some issues, right? right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Just ask. James, Just what are your thoughts on, on what the- Andy and James are looking at me like I do not know. What to say. <laughs> Don't say anything. You got to go there. Just, just look. Let me take. I'm here for all the smoke. Let me do it. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm here for the smoke too, so they, they know where I am. But James, what are your thoughts? I mean, sort of on the on the topic of the win. I agree with Andy that I don't think you can call it impressive, just given the opponent. But I think it's an encouraging sign. Um, one thing we've talked about a lot is just the lack of adjustments UH has made. Um, and in that first quarter, uh, South Florida's running back, Brian Batte, had like 90 yards through the first 10, 12 minutes of the game. And it looks like he was going to run all over them and cause them just nightmares. Um, but to Houston's credit, they made adjustments and they slowed him down for most of the rest of the game. This is the second straight week that the offense has put up uh, 14 points in the first quarter um, so they're starting to score in the first quarter and not have to face you know a major double digit deficit um, they did trail in the first quarter as USF scored 14 unanswered after Houston scored um, on its opening drive but um, getting those first quarter points um, has been positive and then uh, I mean just some of the people that we've seen step up um, I've been really impressed with redshirt freshman running back Stacy Sneed last week he had 100 yards on the ground this week he had two touchdowns the second one was really telling um he probably should have been down two or three times on that run but he just refused to go down Clayton Toon described him as you know just being naturally gifted and with the ability to make people miss um which is some something that's hard to teach um and so that's been impressive and then we've seen the you know the the guys like Keyshawn Carter and Sam Brown continue to step up and make plays in the receiving game um, with Matthew Golden and Joseph Manjack out. So that's all been positive. Obviously there's still things to clean up. Um, there's, there's areas that UH still struggle with. There were some stupid penalties again, a couple unsportsmanlike or personal fat, late dumb stuff that shouldn't happen. And um, yeah, I mean, while the American isn't as strong isn't a super strong conference um uh has some bigger tests that i think will be more telling um down the the road starting this weekend with us this upcoming weekend with smu and then you know you got an east carolina team things like that but um so i think those will be more telling just given that those are those teams are a little higher quality a, a better caliber than usf but i think you are starting to see some things that give you encouragement I don't think you can jump on and say, you know, Houston's completely back and they're going to, you know, you, you completely, you, you can't say they're going to run the table, but they're definitely showing signs that it's possible that they could play in the American championship game, which seemed impossible just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they're now three and one in the American. So they still have a chance to play in the title game. They got some help yesterday with UCF. Five to second, no. Time so, for a second. Yeah. As we get ready to close it out here, Rockets made some news, announced some news within the last hour or so. They announced that they have exercised the third year options on Jalen Green, Alperin Shangoon, Usman Garuba, and Josh Christopher, all from their uh, 2021 draft class. All four of those guys are 20 years old. 
But back to James and Andy. How strong, how firm do you guys feel in a prediction with Houston SMU this Saturday on NFL Network? How strong? How strong? Do you want to guarantee a win? How strong do you feel, James Mueller? I'm not going to guarantee anything. With I've already learned my lessons. <laughs> um, uh, I think Houston should win this game, um, just given SMU's had you know players sitting out. There, there's just been a bunch of things. But SMU has fought hard and given challenges to some of the tougher teams in the Americans, and, and it's on the road. So there's there's no guarantee. I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston wins, and I expect them to. But, I mean – there's there's not enough confidence there to guarantee you um, a UH victory this weekend. All right. And Giannis, how about you? Do you want to guarantee it? No, sir. No guarantees just because <laughs> – um, and it's nothing against uh, – well, no guarantees. And the reason for it, I still think it's it's kind of a wait-and-see approach. You got to see. I think this game will be telling if we really have – if Houston really has turned a corner or if it has just been more of a product of their competition. I think that Memphis game certainly helped them. And, and right now, both Clayton Toon um, and Dana Horvath post game after yesterday's game talked about how the offense overall and really the team overall is playing with much more confidence. Their confidence is probably at an all-time high this season. Um, but I think it's going to be a big test. I think this game will will certainly see um, if exactly Houston has been able to turn the corner or if the, the past few games have just been a byproduct of the schedule. So after I, I'd be I'd, I'd be much more willing to have make a prediction after this upcoming game against SMU going forward because I do believe there'll be one remaining tough game after this SMU game and it'll be at East Carolina in terms of the toughest. Um, but other than that, I think I think this team still has something to prove. So I'll, I'll wait before making a, a guarantee. All right. I'm going to close it out right there. Willie Gibson, how can folks find you on social media? They can find me at WillGibson7 on social media, Twitter, as well as Instagram. Uh, Will knows on the uh, on the Facebook. <laughs> Andy Ines, how about you? How can folks find you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Before I toss it over to James, I do want to plug well a couple things I want to plug first. Um, the Pod Slam and Jamma YouTube channel, which uh, you'll find. Um, Houston Cougars content, Houston Cougars football, men's basketball, and women's basketball content. Uh, once again, that's the P A W D S L A M A J A M A on YouTube, the Pod Slime and Jamma YouTube channel. Um, we just had a video. Um, I had a video pop up yesterday on the Not So Secret scrimmage. If you want to have more details on that, be sure to check it out. We also had Dana Hogerson's post game availability from Houston USF, a clip of it. That's a full thing, but be sure to check that out. And the last thing I wanted to note is the World Series. We we need to mention the World Series because the Houston Astros are in it, tied one one. And I'm be I'd be perfect as I toss it over to James. I'm curious to get your thoughts on Game Three and how you feel. Uh, last Lance McCullers on the mound for Houston again. Noah Syndergaard for the Phillies. Oh, uh, I'm very pessimistic um, when it comes to the Astros. I think Philly's tough at home. Um, Houston certainly has a pitching advantage, in my opinion. I still stand by what I've told people from the front that I think, or from the beginning, which I think the Phillies will win in six, but we'll see. Um, we'll see there. <laughs> I oh, wow. find you to hit you up on those comments right there, James Mueller. Oh, yeah. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Um, and definitely uh, hit me up at Twitter at JDM2186. And then all my work regarding UH athletics coverage can be found at thedailycougar.com. The Phillies in six. That, that's right. surprising. 
I had I had we did uh for gallery sports we had our our staff predictions. I had the Astros in six, so we're kind of uh going head to head there in terms of predictions. <laughs> we shall see. I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review, Twitter VHR Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Stay tuned. Also on this channel, on TikTok. Uh, this channel will be the, the Admax Corner on the Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube in a few minutes, recapping the Texans-Titans game. And then I'm going to do a post-game show after the Rockets at Suns game later on tonight. To all my adult followers on YouTube, bring your beverage. We have fun on those post-game shows. So tune in late tonight, KG After Dark on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review. <laughs> so until next Sunday, you guys, everybody, take care. Thank you for taking time to watch us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Until next Jose Sunday. Jose Altuve, four-game hitting streak. Peace. Turning it around. World Series, Astros in six.